Welcome to What is Goat? I'm John Severin Apollillo here as always with my co-host Jamie Fry. Yo, what up? What up, Internet? And we're doing something a little different today. How did we come up with this idea, Jamie? Well, since we're, we're asking the question, what is goat? You know, one of the qualifiers uh, of, of things being goat is, in a way, it's inclusion in the canon that we describe as classic rock radio. Now, if you grew up in the tri-state area, chances are you've listened to thousands and thousands of hours of Q104, which is the classic rock radio of New York and New Jersey. And if you haven't, I'm sure if you're a rock fan, you have your own corporately owned classic rock radio station in your town or city. So the inclusion in this weird thing that is classic rock is one of the ways that music that is old stays in the ears of people. The exclusion from this canon certainly says something of like, our kids going to hear this are in the in the back of the car with their parents. A lot of people are excluded. There's very few black people on classic rock radio. There's very few women on classic rock radio. In a way, classic rock radio and Q104 represents the white male hierarchy <laughs> of the way we look at rock and roll. So I think we thought it'd be interesting to like take this on song by song and see what it means to us like to be included on classic rock radio. So Jamie and I are sitting here... Uh, as both of us have done throughout our lives, throughout our childhood, sitting here listening to classic rock radio. We're just going to roll the dice and see, see what the current state of legacy rock music is. I personally am interested to see if any black people or any women are played at all mm, the course over of this the course episode. Of an hour, yeah. Because it could really go either way. Classic rock radio is funny because... You know, the baby boomers grew up with rock and roll as a counterculture. It was shocking when it came out. Now it's like classic rock is kind of like, it's the status quo of rock and roll. There's nothing dangerous about classic rock. Like, it's hard to find anything that, like, it kind of sucks the subversive elements out of rock and roll. I even would go so far to say that, like, some of the best bands are just represented so poorly by classic rock radio. For example, John and I are both obsessive about the Rolling Stones. They play so few of the Stones' best songs of classic rock radio. We get Angie. We get You Can't Always Get What You Want. You know, we don't, like, you're not hearing... You get Give Me Shelter once in a while, man. You're not hearing the mind-blowing parts of the Stones, or at least a lot of them are excluded completely from classic rock radio. And the weird thing, too, is that, uh, from what I can gather, classic rock radio is not the same thing as rock radio from the 60s or 70s. Because a lot of that stuff was album-oriented. Also, another thing that um, is worth noting is that at a certain point, I guess with a generational passing, they cut a lot of the 1960s out of the classic rock format. Because when we were kids, there was oldies radio and there was classic rock radio. And oldies radio would play stuff like the Ronettes, Dion, Sam Cooke, James Brown, that was kind of considered oldies, like almost like when we'd go to Johnny Rockets and they had the jukebox with all that. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Oldies with its own format. And then some of that stuff would get played in the classic rock radio. Now, a lot of the 1960s music has been pushed to the oldies format. And what we get instead is like Journey and Bon Jovi. Probably even in the 90s, they started including modern rock that sounded like classic rock. 
into the Black the Crows. The Black Crows is the first band I thought of too. Yeah. You, as soon as the Black Crows came out, they were getting played alongside all these 60s and 70s bands, I guess, because their sound was similar enough and they had a, you know, a hit single that was a cover of a song from the 60s. Um, but yeah, I mean, they continued to do that. And I guess my, my assumption is that was sort of a business decision because their uh, audience is aging out. So you need to have... You know, you need to start bringing in other music as you update because now the music of our childhood is classic rock to somebody, to us, you know, or to people a little older than us. And you got to keep an audience. So, yeah, how many people are really still hoping to hear uh, Dion? Yeah, or Ray Charles or something. Probably not as many as people who are hoping to hear the Red Hot Chili Peppers even. Yeah, they, they've definitely allowed some... 90s rock into the canon but it is for the most part the songs that you have just have been beat to death like under the bridge or the nirvana singles from Nevermind. they just have a way of really reducing bands to like a couple songs right what would you say is the most overplayed song on classic rock radio for you Hmm. A song that you have heard so many times that you never want to hear it again. Maybe Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. <laughs> Interesting. That would be a good um, candidate. I would say in a similar vein, uh, Sultans of Swing. Sultan of Swing. And I like Sultans of Swing. It's a good song, <laughs> but they really, they really beat that one to death. This will come up on a, on a future episode. But I would also say Piano Man by Billy Joel. Yeah, I would call that fair. And I like Billy Joel, but I think that's, yeah, that's fair. Billy Joel to me is like, he's almost like the guy of classic rock. He's mm -hmm. like, because especially because him being from Long Island, mm -hmm. he's almost like the um, entry level for a lot of people in the area. You know, they don't play a lot of Bruce, I feel no. like. You would think they play more Bruce on, on this yeah. station. Same thing. Bruce suffers from the exact same thing you're talking about with the Stones. They play Glory think, Days. Yeah, you would think the only album he ever made was... Uh, Born in the USA, basically. Yeah. They don't really play... In, I mean, they'll play. maybe they'll play Born to Run. That's really the only other song you'll hear. And then you'll hear Born in the USA and Glory Days, and that's kind of it, which is crazy. He has a lot of great singles, you know, in here. And he's a very, like... He's a very localized... Per I mean, you know, Q104 is, you know, that's like half their audience is New Jersey. So we're back from commercial break, and I'm very shocked that there's a song playing that I don't recognize at all. And I can't believe this is happening. I thought after all our talking about how stayed the playlists are i have no idea what the song is it sounds like it sucks <laughs> it sounds like it's from the 80s i hear wind chimes a lot of chorusy guitar and synths this is so odd well, yeah this Neither is really weird know what this is kind of like hair metal what is this van halen with the sammy, sammy Agar Agar? Years, maybe i think you might be right this is so odd this is like absolutely not how i thought this was gonna start yeah totally. i now have to take out my phone and shazam this song it is a song called When It's Love by Van Halen. Oh. Let me validate that. Does anyone like this? Hagar. I don't know. Does anyone like Van Hagar? Like, this is so like, odd. Yeah, it's very strange to me. Because I think I, I, what we were, this seems kind of like a risky thing to put on. Because even Van Halen fans, don't they kind of... It's like, like, it's like Bill de Blasio. He's not winning in his hometown. <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, right. Yeah, it's like Hagar's nobody's big choice. <laughs> And I, Sammy Hagar seems like a nice guy, and I don't hate Sammy Hagar. But, yeah, this is very strange. They play a lot of Van Halen and classic yeah. rock radio, but I never hear, maybe right now, 
or why can't this be love? So there's two there's two Sammy Hagar songs you will hear, but this one is like I feel like I've heard this song before, but I was baffled. Also, this song is definitely not the goat. It's pretty no. terrible. No, no, I don't I like Van Halen. You don't like Van Halen. I don't at all? like Van Halen at all. But like even amongst Van Halen, it's like I can even understand like the the quality that deteriorates when Sammy Hagar enters the picture. I think that's universally understood. I don't think there's anybody that prefers Sammy Hagar to the uh, Eddie. No, what's his name? Um, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. Thank you. The David Lee Roth era. I think that David Lee Roth is like the fun, really like represents rock and roll as it's like biggest and most excess. And then Sammy Hagar is like the yuppie of rock. And he's a cool guy. He like, you know, he seems like a nice person. Well, he sort of moved into like a Jimmy Buffett sphere, right? Where he's yeah. sort of like, he's he's kind of like, he tours around, but he, he has like a lot of like branded like products. He sells and like, tequila. Yeah. I think he might have his own resort hotel. Yeah. Yeah. He does like cruises. He sort of moved into this sort of like, his, his thing now is more that he's like the party guy unless he's like an actual musician. Which is fine, I guess. He was guess. in Chickenfoot. You know oh. about Chickenfoot? Him, Chad Smith, yeah. Michael Anthony, the bass player from Van Halen, okay. and Joe Satriani formed a super group called Chickenfoot, which is exactly as stupid as it sounds. <laughs> but I love it. I love that this you love happened. Chickenfoot? No, I just like that it happened. Our Chickenfoot goat. <laughs> it just like it just amuses me that they even did that. Oh my god. Sammy Hagar is like probably so much less of a pig than David Lee Roth, <laughs> but like I would rather hear David Lee Roth. Like his yeah. his lyrics are nice. Like he just like seems like a nicer, more acceptable human being, but like just not rock and roll. In the first few seconds, I definitely thought it was Jefferson Starship. That was yeah. my guess. It had that yeah. real syrupy eighties pop sound that like just hasn't aged well i mean there's a lot of great 80s rock and 80s pop that elicits a sort of like fun nostalgic response and like this doesn't this is like exactly what everybody thinks of when they're making fun of the 80s just bad synth tones and chimes and and overblown guitars and terrible vocals you can like smell the hairspray we're ready for a new one (laughs) don't let us down q104 all right, so now we have Come Together by the Beatles. Cool. <laughs> it's always good to play the Beatles. <laughs> There's a lot of Beatles songs they could play instead of this. This is sort of like us programming or reprogramming this hour of radio, I think. <laughs> right? That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. If I were to make a list of what I think the 50 best Beatles songs are, I don't think this would be on it. It's not a... I mean, it's a great song. It's not bad, but... I can think of a ton of songs I would put ahead of this and I would rather hear. Though it makes sense that this gets played on classic rock. This is part of the Beatles career that like relates most to what the current classic rock format is because a lot of the stuff that the Beatles did doesn't quite jive with what they play now. You know, like early Beatles you never hear, which I think is never. a shame. Yeah. Cuz early Beatles in the end is rock and roll. Absolutely. That's just like they don't play Chuck Berry either and they don't play Elvis either, you know. And and it's fun, which is like if you're going to be a station that plays Van Halen, especially like the sort of lesser works of, that kind of reveals that like you're okay with just like having some cheesy fun and like early Beatles is just like, cheesy fun. That's what it is. And and it's great. It really scratches an itch. Basically like the more like Chuck Berry, Elvis, Buddy Holly side of rock and roll is kind of like not present. And this yeah. song to me, Come Together is always like, this is where they relate to Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd. Mm. He's got a riff. Mm-hmm. 
It's got the kind of like groovy drumming. It's a little darker. Yeah, it kind of like there's something that shares a gene with heavy metal. Mm-hmm. So it's like I guess you know Abbey Road and Let It Be, the last two Beatles records, are really the only records that made me nod towards like '70s arena rock. It's the end of the Beatles' career and like like kind of like more towards like what Wings would do, mm-hmm. you know, because Wings are an arena rock band, and they play actually I think they play a lot of Wings. Really? They play like no solo John Lennon. That's they true. They play a ton of fucking wings. Well, they play Imagine incessantly, but other than that. Yeah, they've they've depoliticized Imagine yeah. by playing it too many times. <laughs> We're just like, man, I'd really never like to hear this fucking song again. Yeah, I mean, we want to talk about depoliticized too. It's like, I mean, there's no point of reference really anymore for Come Together as being a sort of like Timothy Leary sloganeering type song which is its original intent and and that's fine things change and you know people don't have to necessarily know like the background behind a song but it's also a little weird to me because abbey road is such a strange and unique album and it's always funny when you hear like a single from an album like that or like a hit from an album like that where it feels to those of us who love listening to full albums like it almost feels a little sacrilegious to like pull a song out of an album like that. Because when I think of Abbey Road, I think of the entire second side. I yeah. think of the suite of songs that all run together in such a specific way. And it's so cool right down to, and, and you know, it's easy to say maybe I'm being a fanboy or, or I'm, I'm being a music nerd. But when we saw Paul McCartney, he literally played the entire second side of Abbey Road. Yeah. It was the best thing he did. It was so cool. It's the guy himself sort of acknowledging like, yeah, this is kind of like how it's meant to be listened to. So it's always a little weird when you hear like a hit single off something that feels so cohesive of all the different songs that rolled together. Like I would much rather just listen to the whole second side of Abbey Road than listen to Come Together. And the other one that is that's the exact same issue is something. They're always playing something. And, and to me, that always feels like sort of a weird outlier on Abbey Road. It's a very sort of like safe, borderline corny song on an album that's like filled with great, weird material all right what are we moving on to now is this small town john mellon john cougar mellon camp you like <sighs> mellon camp at all you know if i was this is why it's good we're doing this <laughs> if i wasn't sitting here listening to this song i'd be like fuck john mellon camp this song's kind of good <laughs> this is like a real catchy fucking song you know i don't i wouldn't have said that i like john mellon camp but like it's a good single. I think he's an example of someone who really works in this format. Whereas I don't think I want to ever listen to a whole album of John Cougar Mellencamp. However, there's something inherently likable about him. He's like a mil- middle of the road candidate. Like he's not an extreme guy, but he's a good man with good politics. And yeah. I like the things he sings about. People put him in the same conversation with Springsteen and Tom Petty. He certainly has none of the flair of those guys. Right. Everything John Mellencamp does is sort of a second-rate version of something else. Now, if you're second-rate Springsteen, that's still pretty good, you know? That's not the worst. But again, I've seen Springsteen live a bunch of times. I've never seen John Mellencamp, you know? I mean, if I were a Republican, I may make fun of John Mellencamp's like kind of like shoddy liberalism. Mm. You know what I mean? I could kind of see that. And there are a lot of Republicans listening to Q104. There's something politically interesting about this is that classic rock is a way to reach the middle mm-hmm. of the left and the right. They both listen to classic rock. Mm-hmm. It's the kind That's of like point. we're in this polar country and both sides absolutely listen to classic rock radio. John Mellencamp is a do-gooder. I like his singles. I think Heard So Good rules. Yeah. This song about the small town is good. You know what song I like that? Again, it's it's hard to say. These songs are so corny. As somebody who both of us sort of like 
to some degree value like coolness, like capital C sure. coolness. He's so uncool. No, he's not cool. But the songs are good, and I don't mean coolness in any sort of like vapid sense, but Springsteen's cool. John Lennon's cool. Sonic Youth are cool. People who like know who they are, unique personalities. Mellencamp's kind of like the off-brand version. He's like the the generic like store brand version of the name brand thing. Perfect for classic rock radio. I can think of very few artists who like make more sense in this format than John Mellencamp. Yeah, this is kind of what classic rock does best. I didn't think I liked John Mellencamp. I'm not going to put on an album. But like, I'm happy I heard this today. Yeah, this was a good choice. Yeah. Um, there's another one I like that, again, it's like so hard for me to even say because it's so corny, is that song, uh, I Fight Authority, Authority. Oh, that song always. rules. That's a good song. But again, that it's song like, is fucking awesome. it's a good song, but you sit there and you're thinking, you're like, this is similar to I Fought the Law, which, you know, and, um, there's a million renditions of, but I think of The Clash when I think of that. And it's like, you have The Clash and then you have John Cougar Mellencamp. The Clash are so cool. And John Mellencamp is so not, not cool. cool. <laughs> But you know, it's he's he's good for what he is. My I father say, loves him. Yeah, loves him. I wouldn't say he's goat, but but there's a place for John Mellencamp. I'm glad he exists. Yeah. What do we got? What do we got? That sounds like something. Oh, this is Nirvana. There we go. We were uh, talking about um, it on yep. the first episode. You only hear a couple of Nirvana songs on the radio. In bloom. This is one of them. In bloom. We've already kind of been over this territory to some degree. I suppose this does not fit in. Yeah. This what do we got? We've got Van Halen. The Beatles, Mellencamp, Nirvana. This doesn't really work, in my opinion. I think this is a different audience. I think this is what you're saying is like now there's sort of a cross-section of people. It's not one very specific demographic. It's widened a little bit. So you have people more our age listening to, to classic rock radio now. And this is for us. This is for our generation. Granted, I don't particularly want to hear this. I don't want to hear it. Once upon a time... There was an actual, you know, alternative rock, meaning modern rock Mm -hmm. station was K-Rock. And I couldn't get enough of K-Rock when we were kids. And this is a song that they beat to death. So it's like now that it graduated to classic rock, I'm like, I don't need to hear this ever again. But I mean, I think it's good they're playing Nirvana in a a, like, uh, you know, a micro sense because like Nirvana is closer to punk than John Mellencamp, obviously. Right. It's like the most boring thing they could have picked from alternative. Like alternative radio was so interesting. Like when that format was up and running, it's like you could hear no doubt followed by nine snails. They play rap music. Sometimes you hear like Buster Rhymes or something like they would like, they would like play some hip hop. They like something electronic, like the mm-hmm. chemical brothers or the prodigy. Then you'd hear something really corny, like Ben folds five. Then you'd hear actual punk like rancid or mm-hmm. social distortion. It was such an interesting format. There's a slimming down of the repertoire. In the K-Rock days, it was fairly expansive. I mean, you weren't hearing deep cuts, but they would play basically all the singles. So you had a good maybe 10 to 15 Nirvana songs you might hear on a given day. Then when it moves to classic rock, I think inevitably... Yeah, it's a those reductive bands, look yeah, at Nirvana. That 15 then gets them down to five. Yeah, totally, yeah. And that's a little rough. Right, it's like an or- Orwellian... Look at rock and roll. We're like, let's reduce it to a smaller language. And even and even stylistically, because I think the things that they cut out are actually the things that, in a backward sense, rock the most, which is weird because this is capital R classic rock radio. And they kind of play the songs that 
plot along a little more, like in Bloom. And you'll also hear some of the softer stuff on on classic rock radio yeah, like too. Come as you are, come as you uh, are, or or dumb about maybe. A girl, maybe. But actually, like, you know, you'd be really lucky if you got it. Yeah, a girl. that's yeah. pretty rare. That but would be you, a jackpot. But you used to hear on character you used to hear something like Breed. You know, you used to hear like the singles that oh, were yeah. hard and heavy, um, or Heart Shaped Box, like. And those have kind of all gone away from the radio play now here, at least in New York. Yeah, things that are heavier punk don't end up on this very much. It's interesting what does join the canon of classic rock radio. They from play this Metallica era. sometimes, mm-hmm. but they play the ballady ones, like yeah. uh, "Nothing Else Matters" and stuff like that. Yeah, and I wonder why you don't hear really any other grunge beyond Nirvana or First Pearl Jam. Hell yeah. Jackpot <laughs> is the Sabbath paranoid, but, but see this makes sense. See to play Nirvana and then play. See this almost justified in Bloom uh-huh. was to hear paranoid because you do not hear Black Sabbath that often for a band that is so worshipped by fans of classic rock. We don't hear a lot of Black Sabbath. Yeah, that's so true. This is a jackpot in my opinion. Yeah, this is definitely a good. This is a good choice, and I'm not even like a huge Sabbath fan. And this is a smart. I think this is like a smart pick because it's. A song that like most classic rock radio listeners will know, like me, even people who don't listen to Sabbath. Um, but it's also not completely overplayed. It's like it's not a song you hear constantly. So when you hear Paranoid, you're like, oh, cool. Good. I yeah. heard this in a minute. That's a, it's a killer because <laughs> it's the sweet spot. I mean, people love Black Sabbath. They're a very popular band, but they haven't been beat to death like Led Zeppelin, and Pink Floyd and ACDC. Exactly. Like All those bands are just like and I love all three groups, but they're so overplayed. But again, Black Sabbath, this is, to me, I'm a big fan of Black Sabbath. They got me into rock and roll. They were one of the things that made me go from liking music to loving music. We'll definitely do a Sabbath episode. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure someone wants to tango on Sabbath, I'm sure. Holler at us. But, you know, you got Paranoid and Iron Man. You'd be hard-pressed to find a third song by Black Sabbath they play on this radio station. Yeah. And they're one of the most worshipped bands in this canon. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll play... War Pigs is kind of long. Yeah, every once in a while. Rarely. That would be a huge jackpot. To me, if I'm listening to classic rock radio, I'd hear... Bow, bow, doo, doo. It's the beginning of War Pigs. I'm like, jackpot. You know You know what I just realized is sort of interesting as to what we're doing now? It's a Sunday. The weekends you have far more sway with what can get played yeah. than you do in uh, what they call drive times, which are morning and afternoons right. when most people are listening to the radio. So in, in on the weekdays. So this is interesting because we're getting we're getting today to listen to basically the most liberal interpretation of an otherwise conservative format. Yeah, totally. During, at night they do like shows that are special interest, like they have mm-hmm. a metal show, they have Little Stevens Garage Rock show. But yeah, Sunday is a day where you might hear something cool. So maybe, I mean, this was a cool choice. Maybe we'll hear more cool stuff. You know, today we're not going into full albums or full artists, canon or whatever. And we're talking about singles like Paranoid, definitely goat as far as a single. Like if you're talking a rock single, you you can't do much better than Paranoid. Oh, that's rock and roll. It's short and sweet. Great chorus. Great riff. Great riff. And as someone, Great vocal performance by Ozzy. I'm by no means a big Sabbath fan, but like... I am. I did learn how to play guitar as a teenager, and that's one of the first songs you learn. And it's great. It's a great way to start off learning. It's an easy song that has a classic riff, and you just feel like immediately empowered when you play that as a kid. You know, it's a real power of rock. Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Talk set. Now we have a DJ talking. <laughs> I'm surprised the DJ is even talking anymore. Does anyone like this? 
Yeah, it's a little bit antiquated in the era of streaming, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of affection for the sort of classic DJ of, I guess, a bygone era. We kind of grew up at an interesting time because through, you know, the 90s, you really saw like a sea change in a lot of things in media. I mean, we're, we're, we're the last generation that grew up without the internet. And uh, along with that, like, I remember listening to DJs who I really loved. And those were, some of them were the same DJs our parents listened to. There were a lot of DJs on the radio in the 90s that were holdovers from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You had like uh, Vin Skelsa mm-hmm. or Cousin Brucie or these people like that who were, you know, they were around when this wasn't classic rock or oldies, when it was contemporary music. And, you know, they were really great. It was fun to hear those guys talk about the music in a real way and talk about maybe personal experience they'd had or shows they'd been to or record. You could just hear in the passion on their voice when they talked about, that's a real oldie station thing too. When they come on and go, Oh, and that was Dion and the Belmont. <laughs> and you just, you hear that like passion and love from their, their younger years in it. And it's kind of contagious, but that's definitely not what you hear anymore on the radio. There's really very little of that left. Yeah. The DJ was a really important element of rock and roll, the radio DJ until you know, around 9-11 when everything kind of went to shit, you know? Yeah. I remember hearing, um, there were, you know, so we talked about K-Rock was the modern rock station when we were younger and Q104 was the classic rock. And there was a great in-between too, legendary station, WNEW, 1027, mm-hmm. which was in the middle. They, they would had Opie play, and Anthony and a lot of these, uh, they had a lot of talk. They DJs. did. Eventually they had a lot of talk guys, but when but they, they played, played music, music too, they would play yeah. a, a mix of modern rock and classic rock in a way that was not um, the typical singles. And they would give their DJs a lot more leeway. I even remember my dad talking about how NEW is what you would always listen to because they would premiere albums in full, like weeks before they would come out. In, in you know the 70s and 80s, there'd be a DJ who's like, oh, I have like an advanced copy of a Talking Heads record or an Elvis Costello record or a Tom Petty record. And they play the whole thing in full. And maybe if you were lucky, you could even like throw a cassette in your cassette player and tape it. My dad, somewhere in my parents' house, my dad has... Probably 200 tapes. In fact, you would buy the, the long ones. So mm-hmm. it's like one record on one side and one record on the other side of records from the 70s and 80s that were debuted like that. It's like as soon as you hear that, well, you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm getting this album for free. <laughs> you know? And we used to do that too. I mean, again, we're the last generation that has this weird thing in common with uh, the generation before. People who grew up in the 60s or 70s where we, I do remember waiting and hear a new song that I knew was coming out or that I, maybe I'd heard once and I just really wanted to hear again because the album wasn't out yet. And of course, there's no internet, there's no downloading, there's no streaming. And you just had to hope to catch it on the radio or you might stay in your car, your parents' car, a few minutes extra because you want to hear the end of a song you love. You needed a lot of patience, whether you were growing up in the 70s or the 90s, to really like be a music fan. You had to be patient to wait and get what you really wanted to hear. And maybe if you were lucky... You know, I would I would always be throwing a cassette tape in my boombox as a kid trying to record the the best songs. And so you'd end up with this tape of like all these radio songs, most of which have the beginning cut off because you're trying to get there in time. It's crazy to imagine a music industry so good where they would play the album, essentially give it away. And then. It would also sell a million copies, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you could play a whole album, and people could boo like it as much as they want, because in stores it just sold all the time. Now they just give up. They're saying, "All right, well, it's just free." Right. You know? Yeah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Oh, you're not gonna 
you're not going to buy it. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of the weird ones I remember is listening to 102, uh, listening to WNEW when we were adolescents and a DJ on in the afternoon was talking about this like band that he loved that like weren't particularly popular and he's going on and on about it. And he eventually said like, all right, you know what? Let's just cut to commercial. I'm going to go run out to my car and get the CD. And when we come back, I'll play some songs from it. And it was this band, the tragically hip. Do you remember them? Yeah. They're Canadian. They were much more popular in Canada. They never caught on in the U S it was just some DJ and he, just thought people should hear this great song. And like, there's something kind of like so pure about that, yeah. you know? Well, you certainly can't do that anymore. I'm going to go get the CD for my car. Right. I mean, you'd be fired. So yeah, quickly. you can't do that anymore. I remember, uh, remember Matt Pinfield on a show called the buzz. Uh-huh. Like K-Rock. I remember being in my bed with the lights off and hearing him. Oh, there's this band that's going to be huge. I'm going to play him for you the first time. And he played last night and New York city cops by the stroke. Wow. And nobody, nobody had any clue who they were. And then, like, a month later, they were on MTV and whatnot. There's something really fun about, um, you know, having DJs who would inject a little bit of their taste into things because it felt so much more human and natural than, you know, when Spotify just surfaces something that they say you're going to like, which more often than not is just because somebody has paid for the placement. It's not because you're really going to love it. It's because that's what is in a certain genre and that's what a record label is paid for. It was nice to get like a little bit of that human touch, you know? The qualifiers are really different in terms of like who's telling you what it is. Now they have like, you know, algorithms. You put on a song, an algorithm will give you another song and you'll probably like it. You know, their qualifier was that the DJ knows about music. Oh, we got a new song. Mm-hmm. Living, Living on, on the, the Edge, edge. <laughs> <laughs> by Aerosmith. We're definitely, Jamie and I were just talking about the fact that we got to do an Aerosmith goat. Um, and I was saying this song, this song is perfect <laughs> because Aerosmith were my absolute favorite band when I was a kid. And it was because of this album. This is, uh, I think this is get a grip, which was a massive, massive hit when we were kids. And I remember this song vividly. This is the first single off that album. And I remember hearing it and loving it and also having an experience that I think is pretty universal with people our age, which is you're a certain age and you catch something on MTV. And I remember seeing this video and it scared me. There's a sort of whole like realm of videos that I remember right, being like fascinated by. But, yeah. Right, but a little too young like to Black get. Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Black Garden, Hole Sun yeah. is the ultimate. Everyone was everyone who nice was like nails. six or seven years yeah. old was scarred by the stuff. Marilyn Manson yeah. videos, heart-shaped Freaky box. videos, yeah. And there was something you would catch as a kid and be fascinated by, but ultimately a little scared. And I remember this. There's something about Steven Tyler, I think, like, like I don't know, like emerging in some like weird, gross way from like a sewer pipe or something like that. And thinking like Aerosmith are cool, but this is also kind of weird and creepy. <laughs> Aerosmith, I think that people younger than us will never understand. Aerosmith were so big when we were kids. I thought they were bigger than the Stones. I thought they were the biggest band in the world. They were in every movie. They were at every award show. Their videos were played constantly. Their songs were played constantly on the radio. They had their own video game at the video arcade. I had the video game. Like Generation X. And also, they got played on every single radio They played format. them on Z100, on Top 40, 40, because they had hit after hit. At Right next to the Spice Girls, you would hear Aerosmith. You, I mean, and of course, all the rock stations. It was 
it, it almost seems like a dream now to think that like Aerosmith were like the biggest band for a few years in the 90s. They've really fell out of favor. But, you know, they could have a comeback again. They've had like nine comebacks. They are really amazing in that way. There's so few bands that you can think of. Forget even just a comeback, but really became so much bigger in their second act and then their third act and then their fourth act. One of the only bands I can think of is ACDC. Yeah. And they have the additional interesting tidbit of, of switching lead singers midstream, which Aerosmith did not do. But it is really wild that this band is ultimately a titan of 70s rock. They are of our parents' generation, but they were absolutely at their most popular in the 90s. In 1992, 1993. Because this song, not only, it's, it's amazing because this song was popular, and here we are listening to it in the year 2019 on Classic Rock Radio, this wasn't. This was the the least popular song on the album because this is the same album that has "Crying" and "Crazy" yeah. on it. Two songs that became yeah, it was not the big single. Huge, huge yeah. top forty pop hits and the videos. I mean, those two videos were completely inescapable. They were iconic of the '90s with Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler. That was if you had to throw something in a time capsule. To explain the 90s, it would have to be an Aerosmith video with Liv Tyler and Alicia sure. Silverstone. I'll also throw this out there. The song rules. This song is great. Living on the Edge song is, fucking is rocks. Their singles are great. They're a great singles band. Are their albums full of profound songs? No, probably not. I bet the, I bet the album tracks are filler, but they're a great singles band. They might be the most typified classic rock band in the because they're an American band. I think they're the second best-selling American band to the Eagles. Mm. Because the UK just really picks much better bands <laughs> to be popular than America. Aerosmith rule. I, I got in a big fight with a lot of my cool friends where I insisted that Aerosmith are better than T-Rex. Mm. And everyone's like, you're insane. You're crazy. <laughs> and you know what? It's not even that I think that Aerosmith is so much better than T-Rex. In fact, it's possible that T-Rex are better than Aerosmith. But I just always think it's really stupid how like... No, like one thing is cool and one thing is uncool. Mm-hmm. Where T Rex and Aerosmith are both stupid rock and roll. Yeah, fair. And just hipsters pick a thing and not another thing, or like, you know, into like the intellectual music community or whatever. I'm really pleasantly surprised we got to hear that because I I, I still have a soft spot in my heart for that '90s Aerosmith. I don't know if it's purely nostalgia or what, but I never want to hear '70s Aerosmith. If, oh, I like I, '70s Aerosmith. If too. I have to hear Dream On one more time, I'm gonna blow my brain. You know, out. Dream On is the number one most played song in classic rock radio. I read an article about it. I believe it. I can't believe that's not what we're listening to. Living on the Edge, Goat, '90s Aerosmith. I, I I can't speak to other eras. Most of it I don't like, and most of it I I don't put on anymore. But but Living on the Edge. Well, like, do you single. like fun? Yeah, exactly. This is fun it's music. It's a fun song. Yeah. Single as far as singles go, goat. If you're too serious for living on the edge, or dude looks like a lady, or like <laughs> ragdoll. Oh man. You know, come dude on. looks like now dude looks like a lady was an older one, but we think of it as a nineties song because it was prominently in featured Mrs. Doubtfire. in Mrs. Doubtfire, which was I think is probably a favorite film of every nineties child. I don't that's know if a the, classic. I don't know if the song or the movie of Agewell, but I love them both. Yeah, man. That was just that that's, you know, pulls at the heartstrings a little Mrs. Doubtfire. Now what is this? We're hearing like a long proggy intro. It's gotta be Pink Floyd. Is that what this is? We're hearing a lot of uh, oscillating synth tones that have gone on for about thirty seconds now. I'm pretty sure this is Pink Floyd. It sure sounds like it. Ooh, no. Oh, it's Life in the Fast Lane. No, it's not. No? No, this is Steve Miller Band. We were just talking about this. This is one of those weird false starts where it has this really weird proggy intro that 
does not correlate at all to the rest of the song. And then the real song begins again. I'm surprised that they would play that version on classic rock radio. You're used to hearing the singles version, which just starts the real song, but Hey, it's Sunday. We're getting wacky on a Sunday on Q104 playing the long intro. You know, a lot of respect to Steve Miller band for having that weird intro on the song. <laughs> This song, Keep On Rocking Me, Baby. This is one of the most basic bitches in the history of rock songs. This is like... Well, this is Jet Airliner. Oh, this is Jet Airliner? This is Jet Airliner. It's exactly like that other <laughs> They're one. They're very similar. This is a basic bitch of a song, and I like <laughs> Steve Miller Band, but like, this is the kind of song there. it's like so much like other classic rock, you know? This, I will give like, you... Like, this riff is identical to Life in the Fast Lane to me. Steve Miller Band, fair, basic bitch music. And also, like, the verse, I've been away to Tacoma, Philadelphia, Atlanta, LA. It's like the same as the other one. It's the oldest trick in the book to just have a song where you name all the places you're going. That's the easiest way out. But despite all that, Steve Miller Band are GOAT. I don't know if they're goat, but I like them. <laughs> they are goat. I'm going to bat for Steve All Miller right. Band. Steve Miller Band are goat. I have no good reason for it. Steve Miller Band are like Swedish fish or like a Sour Patch Kid. They're a good time. There's no nutritional value, but you just, you sometimes you just want a sweet piece of candy and it makes you feel good. It puts a smile on your face. It's just fun. You were the, the biggest proponent of fun, Jamie. Steve Miller Band no, are fun. No, they're fun. No, I like, I saw them with my dad. And uh, they played after the Mets. I wanted to go to that show so bad. And I'm bad. like, man, they got a lot of good songs. <laughs> you know, Fly Like an Eagle is that is kind of a brilliant song. They got hits, man. The they Joker just know, rules. They this know song what is do. not brilliant, but they have some really. I love Abracadabra. Actually, it's got a. This is this song's got a good riff though. This song's got a, It's a little. It's a little played out, but it's a classic riff. I am certainly not too cool for the Steve Miller band. <laughs> That's a good time. They're fun rock and roll. Love the Steve Miller band. You got to enjoy this. Sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Steve Miller band. <laughs> this is a little bit like the stuff you had said about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's something to be said for like a band that they're not exactly reaching for the stars. You know, they're kind of staying in their lane a little bit. There's just what the Steve Miller band do. And they do that well. It's simple straight ahead fun rock music and there's a place for that i think not everything has to be so cerebral not everything has to be so genre bending you can just have like a, a fun bluesy rock song and you just do it the very best you can yeah this is a classically good band we enjoy it it's definitely dated <laughs> it's not important fair but we love it it's something we love because there's good things to, in the same way as Mellencamp. Steve Miller Band are perfect for classic rock radio. Mm. It's kind of you're driving in your car and like you're like enjoying the ride. You got a breeze on you. Here's Steve Miller Band. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got? We have an acoustic finger picker. Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Dust in the Wind by Kansas. This is a real stinker. Yeah. Who likes this? I think this, this is, is the kind of song they play all the time. Like, who likes this? This is something that never transferred over generationally. The only people who are enjoying this right now who are listening are over the age of 60. You had to be there at this moment thinking this was profound. But nobody has put this on who was born after the year 1970. I think when I was a kid, I thought this was Enrique Iglesias. Wow. Mark Anthony. <laughs> yeah, it kind of has that vibe of what there's a, there is a, a song from our childhood, a pop hit that sounds a lot like this. I think it was Enrique Iglesias has yeah. a hit that's like this. It reminds me of like one of these really mellow, like Spanish guitar finger picking mm -hmm. songs. That was like, there was like a moment where that was very, very popular. I think of this in the same vein as, uh, 
What's the su- the song? Um, been through the desert on a horse with no name. Oh, I fucking hate that. Yeah, I it's think of terrible. these as the same type of thing. Of this acoustic rock, it just falls so flat. This was exactly the reason that punk exists. <laughs> right, is that there was this music that like was like long winded, didn't rock, had lost the script of Elvis and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Buddy Holly. Lost the script of rock and roll. This is the music that begged the Ramones to happen, that begged the Clash to happen, you know. If you're making rock music and you're at all these forks in the road, you know, do I put a guitar solo in? Do I have an interesting rhythm part, drum part? Do I have some sort of like cool, noisy thing? It's like they went the wrong way at every fork in the road to create a song like this. It was like, no, let's keep it really mellow. Let's make the vocal really sort of overwrought. Let's make the lyrics way too involved and wordy. Let's make the guitar part feel so corny. It's like, I don't know, every decision was wrong. I love Led Zeppelin, but I think there's something to be said for like a fork in the road that is Stairway to Heaven, meaning the success of Stairway, because that wasn't even a single. That was requested so much they had to release as a single. But there's something about Stairway that's like the enemy of like the short, compact song. Mm -hmm. And this song is kind of like if Stairway didn't rock. It was only like the boring part of Stairway. That's (laughs) that's what this really reminds me of. Right. When you listen to Stairway to Heaven, you're waiting until you get to the halfway point. Yeah, that's what you're waiting for. But yeah, you're right. This is like if they didn't get to the good part. <laughs> oh my gosh. Black so Rose, This right? is the Black Crows, like we were talking about. The most like classic rock, modern rock band. What I always think about them is they were like, let's start a band where we pretend that punk never happened. <laughs> and we just, uh, they're just like, all right, so, you know, it's the 90s. Punk exists. But we're going to like pretend that music has not progressed beyond, let's say, 1973 or 1974. Like the last album ever made was like Exile Main Street. There's some talent to these guys. This song I like, I think. The 1990s is full of these songs. Like there's like a type of hit about like the damaged woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is one of the like, there's a lot of there them. There were so many. You know, like like Brick by Ben Folds 5 or like... Um, Can I give you my, my favorite, my ultimate one? This is the story of a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the story of a girl. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, like this like, oh, the difficult woman is a protagonist in the song. And also like a like a sort of dipping like a rehab toe. rock. Right. A dipping a toe in the water of like mental health issues. Yeah. And it then became a big MTV thing because you would have a sort of like socially conscious music video. Well, was that song by Silverchair about anorexia? Anna's song. Please my Anna. <laughs> Anna, of course, oh my not God. being a full female protagonist, but being shorthand for anorexia. Oh my God. He did have anorexia. That was right. the thing. But like this was, su- it was such a prevalent attitude at the time the mother of these songs is obviously jane says by jane's addiction which was like i mean jane says they played a billion times Mm -hmm. so i think that that was like it was like everyone everyone had to write their own jane says about some like like beautiful fucked up lady yeah it is it is a really stupid cliche in music and that was the the like borderline romantic side i think kind of split in two so there's like the the damaged woman in the borderline romantic sense and then when you want to go towards the more socially conscious message rock the ultimate one has to be runaway train by oh sure yeah Right, with that video where it's like, oh, well, there's a million homeless people a year. Right. Like, it was okay. all like lost yeah. children in right. runaways. 
Right, like every second a child becomes homeless in America. It's like, okay, cool, soul asylum. I mean, <laughs> like respect, like in the end, like I think that things were, pop culture is more liberal than the now. Yeah. Because MTV was pushing this agenda. Right. They would take a chance on any of this shit. Yeah, they were like... And you give, give credit where credit's due. Yeah, That's I mean, cool. like, I mean, they didn't say woke back then, but like... They really tried hard to be woke. I mean, it may be misconstrued. Like, I think that maybe they thought this song, She Talks to Angels, which is about, like, a woman who should go to rehab. Yeah. Or something. Or, you know, obviously there's, like, overtones of both, like, drug abuse and mental illness. But you never really, like, nail down anything too specific in the lyrics. These guys are mimbos. If there were ever <laughs> mimbos. Jamie brings back the mimbos. If there was ever mimbos in rock and roll, it's Black Crest. Yeah, absolutely. These guys are just, like fucking you know where they're really tight jeans and they're really long hair and like you know like straw hats and like they're just like so like classic rock bros you know you have a song like jane says jane's addiction were total weirdos and we're very much like living a weird outsider artist life amongst really like damaged drug addled people in los angeles and just i mean they wrote that song before they had any fame at all that was just very much the life they were living not to glorify that entirely but then you have a band like the black crows where like from the moment you see them it's just like no these guys are just like party boys these guys are just like guys who grew up idolizing the stones and just want to like dress like keith and do all the drugs and have sex with all the women this feels much more like well the stones wrote angie so we got to write you talks to angels yeah, you know it's just like well yeah. if we're gonna do everything that the stones did then we need a song like this. It doesn't really feel like, uh, I don't know that I buy that this guy's like really so concerned. Like you see, like they just sort of lived at this time, like a life of like partying with models. Basically they weren't really like, uh, on the front lines of like civil rights or anything. No, there's not, <laughs> they're not profound, but that's not what they're about. There was that whole like movement in the nineties. Like there's so much interesting music going on. It's like Smashing Pumpkins and Marilyn Manson and like Nine Chanel's were all like hits and they all had this really just different sound. It doesn't sound like fucking anything on the radio. They had like these guys and like Blues Traveler and mm -hmm. be like, oh, let's go back to the farm. Like that kind of like, you know, all wearing hats and, and uh, fucking denim and I think the Black Crows were actually at their best when they sort of stayed in their lane a little more. Like, I don't really want to hear their takes on, like, you know, mental health. But, like, I kind of like the like the first, uh, first, second, third albums have some good, like, very basic, like, blues exercises that are, like, they're pretty fun. They're, like, they have some good slide guitar parts. Oh, I'll take them over Animal Collective any day. Don't get <laughs> right. me wrong. I mean, these guys know how to sing and play rock and roll. Right. Credit where credit's due. What do we got now? Oh, my gosh. This uh, John Hughes fucking song. I don't remember who sings oh, this. This is Simple Minds. Don't you forget about don't me. Don't you forget about me. Now, this is a little before our time. We weren't really like the John Hughes generation. Yeah, I mean, I've seen all the movies a million times. I love John Hughes. I love a lot of this music that are like peers of Simple Minds, but I've never listened to Simple Minds before. No, me neither. But I mean, this is this song, I think, makes it on a classic rock radio canon because it plays in The Breakfast Club, which is a movie that everyone has seen right. pretty much. Yeah. But like synth pop is not included on classic rock radio yeah. why because i think it's pretty gay music <laughs> and i think that you think I there's think a sexual bias depeche mode mm -hmm. are one of the biggest bands ever they will never play depeche mode mm. it's not because they're not a hit i think it's because it doesn't go with the kind of black crows soda 
straighty audience. You know, OMD have a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys, again, a, a billion records selling yeah. bad. Have you ever heard The Cure on Classic Rock Radio? I don't think Rarely. so. Rarely. I mean, you'll, you might hear Friday I'm in Love, but you're the, right. It's- New Order 2 has a billion hits. The 80s is a weird spot in this because there's a sort of heteronormative thing against synthesizers and drum machines. Mm-hmm. And this is an old conversation. But wait a this minute. This is a conversation from the 80s. But wait a minute. We did hear a Van Halen song that was full of synthesizers, but Van Halen right, but are very, basically... Right, by very um, heteronormative right. musicians. Van Halen are like the straightest band on the sexual spectrum, I think. Yeah. The whole thing. Them and like Motley Crue, the whole thing is like how straight they are. I mean, okay, we've been listening to this for a while. No girls. No black people. Right. You, you don't really hear Wham or Madonna or any kind of stuff like no, that. No, why that you don't hear they play Madonna? Club. I don't really understand. They could play Madonna. The music of like, you know, gay clubs in the 80s. Yeah. But, but I mean, you're right. That's interesting. I, I wonder if, I mean, I, I don't want to I mean, speculate. straight people like David Bowie. You know, when a song is just so incredibly popular and ubiquitous, and in this case, it's because it was in a huge legendary movie. But it has to really, I guess, hit that height. You can hear, you know, like you said, you can hear the Black Crows. Black Crows don't really hold any legendary status in any way. They're just a band that people like. But I guess you're right. If you're talking about music that uh, is less heteronormative, it's got to really be that top-selling tier. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's more popular in England than the United States. This is certainly one of them. You never hear the Smiths on classic rock radio. You never hear Morrissey. I think that it's stuff like that is, is like... Was is not a hit. You do hear Elton John States. incessantly, so that's a good yeah, example. Yeah, Elton John is like and Queen. Elton John and Queen are like the most like ubiquitous like classic rock artists. Of all so time. why do you think it is that they're held up? I think I think there's a bias against the synthesizer and the drum machine. Mm, interesting. I was I was recently on a beach in Long Island, and there were two bros next to me crushing beers at eleven in the morning, and they were blasting Queen and talking about. What a badass Freddie Mercury is. And it kind of warmed my heart. It was kind of sweet, you know? It's something we can all agree on. Looks can be deceiving. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like on classic rock radio, typically, the 80s are strictly used as um, hair metal. I mean, that's basically what you hear. Or like arena rock. Or arena rock. And there's so much more that happened in that era. And it's kind of amazing because when you talk about the 60s or 70s, you do hear like the folky side of stuff. I mean, we just heard stupid old dust in the wind. You hear stuff that's influenced by like the beat poets. You hear stuff that's bluesy. You hear stuff that's jammy. You might even hear something like Santana. You, they include a lot more diversity of style for the 60s and 70s. And the 80s is very yeah. slim. I mean, they play a few songs by Talking Head. I think the Cars are probably the one and they're from Boston. Sure, they're the Cars. Like, but again, you don't hear much new wave. You're right. It's kind of the Cars and the Talking Heads. You hear a you, couple songs by Elvis Costello, rarely, a couple songs by Blondie. Rarely, a couple here And that's and kind there. of the end of it. But they would... Maybe it, one or two Ramones or Clash, like not even, you know, right. even in the, in the punk area. Like, you don't really... But you would think that like punk and it. new wave lasted like a year or two by how much music I, yeah i mean it's a and great would, singles era and if you didn't know any better you would think that hair metal lasted for like 20 years yeah. in, in terms of what they actually play i mean maybe you know what you hear every once in a while is they dip a toe in the water they'll play joan jet yeah but again it's like if it's you're playing joan jet like why not play all these other interesting female rock musicians you know yeah they you just, would think you know, Hart and joan jet are like the only female rockers of all time i mean i feel like when I was a kid, I wasn't aware of a lot of women in music because 
they were so excluded from the radio. You or you want to even even in the stuff that is much more in the wheelhouse of classic rock. If we just had to sit through fucking dust in the wind, there's no reason that we shouldn't hear Joni Mitchell every hour on the hour. Yeah, why don't they play Joni Mitchell? You, That's a very to, good we'll, question. We'll eventually have to hear Crosby, Stills, they and Nash. They play Bob Dylan. Yeah. They play Neil Young. But we can't hear Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Like, come on. Every generation of musicians has a huge element of singer-songwriters who are hugely influenced by Joni Mitchell. How many people are sitting around trying to learn Dust in the Wind on guitar right now? Yeah, come on. No one. No one. Well, thank you for joining us for our WGOAT foray into radio. We'll be doing more episodes like this in the future, more uh, outside the box. We're going to keep changing it up, doing different themes. All right, now John is going to tell us one of his third-party goat picks. My third-party goat pick for this week is a blast from the past for Jamie, uh, a band that we used to love and listen to incessantly in our early college days. And I haven't thought of in a while, but they came to mind immediately when I was thinking about bands to recommend uh, that might have flown under the radar. They were initially known as Breaks, and then oh, later man. had to change their name to Breaks, Breaks, Breaks because there was an American band that sued them that also had the same name. But for, for our intensive purposes, we'll just describe them by the, the former name. So this, this band Breaks back in, I think it was 05, released their first album called Give Blood. And they didn't really achieve the same notoriety as a lot of these um, British indie bands in the mid-aughts like... Uh, the Future Heads or, or Rakes or things like that that were sort of more like dance or, or certainly Franz Ferdinand, something like that. These guys were much weirder, much more of like a classic indie rock sound. They are one of the few bands that I've ever heard that I feel like really um, encapsulate the influence of the early music of the Pixies really well. It's like equal parts spazzy and strange and shrieky while also being incredibly melodic and catchy. Um, Every single song is an earworm. So there are these guys from Brighton, and the music of this album, Give Blood, is almost like a foreigner's digesting of American music. There's stuff that sounds like indie rock. There are these weird 10-second songs that are basically like their version of hardcore songs. And then there's stuff that sounds like Americana and folk music and country, but through this very weird British lens of, of like, there's no mistaking. This is like very British music. But some of it kind of sounds like Graham Parsons or something and to the degree that they even do a cover of um, Jackson by Johnny Cash uh, and June Carter. It's really strange. It's a great little relic of a certain moment in indie rock where th- there was a real immediacy to the music. It felt urgent and really high energy. And we saw them, Jamie and I saw them on a day where that afternoon, we had gone to see television in Central Park, and then bookending that day by seeing uh, breaks at Mercury Lounge that night. And it couldn't have been more different. Seeing television was great, but it's obviously, you know, a sort of big, uh, classic legacy band doing their hits. And then we go to see this band at night that is just like so hungry, just like these guys who are, you know, they're in New York for their first show, uh, flown in from the UK. And they're just like a ball of energy of this sort of like spazzy stuff. There's also something about the band that always stuck with me and which very few bands do, which is that their main rhythm instrument is an acoustic guitar 
put through fuzz and overdrive pedals, which can be a really cool, unique sound. I think one of the only other bands that you hear that co- consistently in is like Guided by Voices, is stuff that's like sort of weird lo-fi demo-y stuff. All their albums are great, Breaks, but I would say start with Give Blood, the first album by Breaks. Thank you for sticking with us, listening to our classic rock radio episode. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you can. It helps us a lot. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WhatIsGoatPod. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been What Is Goat. I'm John Severin Napololo. I'm Jamie Fry. Take it easy.